Welcome to the next episode of the Austin Bar Association's Council of Firsts. I'm your host, Amanda Ariaga, Austin Bar Association President. This podcast is made possible by the Texas Bar Foundation. Today we talked to Gary Schumann, founder of the Austin LGBT Bar Association. Gary is past chair of the LGBT law section of the State Bar. He's an Equality Texas Capital Club member and a Human Rights Campaign Federal Club member. He's also a board member of the Austin LGBT Chamber of Commerce. In 2015, Gary received the Austin LGBT Award of Excellence, and in 2021, he received the Austin LGBT Chamber of Commerce Business of Pride Award. I'm pleased to introduce a true trailblazer, Gary Schumann. Thank you very much. Happy to be here. Great. Um, Gary, would you tell our audience, why did you want to be a lawyer? Uh, I became a lawyer by default. Uh, I obtained my degree from the University of Texas in psychology, and it was either to go to graduate school in psychology or to continue waiting tables. And I had a friend who was at the UT School of Law. He said I should apply, and I applied, and I got in, and here I am. So there was no grand scheme or high ideals. I, I just sort of ended up in law school by accident, and I became an accidental attorney, and here I am. In 2013, you founded the Austin LGBT Bar Association. Why was it important to create that organization, and are you surprised that the state bar had an LGBT section before Austin did? Sure, and it was actually the state's, the LGBT law section of the state bar of Texas that inspired the creation of the Austin LGBT Bar Association. Uh, Several friends of mine had gone to the annual meeting in San Antonio in 2012 And the LGBT law section of the State Bar of Texas had some really incredible CLE programming. This is pre-Obergerfell, so, you know, uh, same-sex marriage was at issue. There were a lot of other really big issues, uh, legal issues, involving the LGBT community at the time. And uh, present were some real leaders from the uh, Houston LGBT legal community and from the Dallas legal community. And several of us started talking, how come Austin doesn't have – an LGBT bar association or an LGBT section. Uh, Several of us came back, formed a steering committee, and we approached Delane Ward, the executive director of the Austin Bar, and said we we would like to help organize an LGBT law section here in Austin. And her response was, well, I was wondering when somebody was going to come ask me to do that. And she was enthusiastically supportive. Uh, We kicked off our first event uh, on a rooftop with a champagne handed out to everyone. We had a huge turnout and it's just been going, you know, big guns ever since then. So we've chatted before. Um, and though you chatted with the Austin Bar, you initially became your own bar association in 2013. Why was that important to have your own association and not necessarily be so affiliated with the Austin Bar as a section? Uh, that was one of the first big decisions we needed to make. Did we want to form as a section of the the existing Austin Bar, or did we want to form as a standalone bar association? And uh, remember what things were like back a decade ago. Uh, The political issues surrounding the LGBT community in terms of same-sex marriage were – it was a big deal. A lot was going on at the legislature, and we felt that one of our important roles would be to lobby and to advocate and to take political positions on these issues. If we were part of the Austin Bar, we would have to be speaking as a representative of the Austin Bar, and if we're going to be taking sides on various political issues, we would have to sort of jump through the bureaucratic and administrative hoops to be able to do that. 
Whereas if we were a standalone bar association, it would free us up to be able to go testify in front of legislative committees, to take political positions. And at that time, we felt that that was very important for us to be doing that. And so that's why we decided to be a standalone bar. And I think that served us well in those first several years. It really gave us the freedom to sort of act nimbly. It gave us the freedom to act as representatives of the legal community uh, when we testified in front of legislative committees. Uh, and, and I thought that, in retrospect, I think we made the right decision. Do you want to talk about how some of that advocacy that you did at that time impacted the LGBT members and LGBT members of the community as a whole, not just lawyers. Yeah, I mean, there are a lot of LGBT attorneys and judges in Travis County, and there always has been. But I don't, I think there had always been just a slight hesitation to be an openly out judge or an openly out LGBT lawyer. And it it was sort of a soft secret. People sort of generally knew who the gay or lesbian lawyers were, but it, it wasn't talked about. People weren't overt about it in terms of owning that identity. I think by creating the Austin LGBT Bar Association and putting on such successful events, galas, continual legal education programs, and sort of serving as exemplars of, you know, professionals within the LGBT community, I think it really freed up a lot of people and gave a lot of people permission to be out uh, in their law firms or even running for judges. I know uh, Judge Selena Alvaranga, who was on our board, has said that the existence of the LGBT bar and its stature in the community gave her a lot of comfort to run her judicial campaign as an out lesbian woman. And I know similarly now we have Laurie Iserlow, who owned her you know, LGBT identity when she ran for judge. And so I think the existence of the LGBT bar, I think, laid the framework and the groundwork for for life to be a little easier for uh, LGBT lawyers in the in the Austin area. And at the same time, um, you were able to partner with other affinity bars to be part of what's called the diversity report card. Mm-hmm. And so how did that happen? How was it received? And do you think that had an impact on opening the doors to law firms as well for LGBT lawyers? Yeah, uh, the diversity bars in Austin had every year sponsored the diversity report card where Law firms were to essentially self-report uh, the minority status of, of, of their lawyers, and then based upon that, they would get grades, essentially. Uh, and uh, one of the co-founders of the LGBT bar, Fred Sultan, who was an attorney at Gardeer Wynn at the time, uh, who had been involved in that process, suggested, you know, shouldn't LGBT status be included as one of the components of the diversity report card? Um and it was it was a little difficult to make that happen uh, because it raised questions. What you know? What what if somebody was both African American and gay? Do you know? Do they count for two points? Does the firm get two points? H- how do you how do you do that? And then also the question became, you know, how there we, there's still a lot of lawyers in the closet. So what is a law firm supposed to do in, in terms of the reporting requirement? And the idea was it was people who self-identified. How many self-identifying LGBT people do you have in your firm? And then there was a little bit of pushback from some of the other diversity groups because this was new. But at the end of the day, everybody was very supportive and LGBT status showed up as a category that firms could report on on their report cards. Um, and But even asking the question of some firms raised some issues. I'll never forget one 
fairly prominent firm in town, the senior partner, sort of wrote in an angry scrawl, you know, why would I even ask that question? That's nobody's business. And it really hit us. If this lawyer, if the senior partner of this firm thought that it's nobody's business, what message was that sending to the LGBT attorneys in that firm? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, when you bring your same-sex spouse to the firm Christmas party, that's everybody's business. And And the fact that this senior partner felt that that was a question that shouldn't even be discussed or asked, I think spoke a lot as to why we needed an LGBT bar and we needed visibility of the LGBT community within the legal profession in in, in Austin. And I think we've moved way past that now. I don't think anyone would have that reaction anymore in Austin. That's wonderful. Um, So six years after you created the LGBT Bar Association is a standalone bar. You incorporated with the Austin Bar as a section, so you could no longer do advocacy. Um, do you think that your job was done? <laughs> That's a good question. <laughs> uh, post Obergefell, once same-sex marriage uh, was achieved, I think there was probably, unfortunately, a sense that so much of our work had been done. And uh, people in the transgender community still had a wall out of work to do, but but that was work that we were all starting to work on together. Um, I think there was sort of a sense that, you know, maybe we're done. And then we got employment non-discrimination on the federal level. And so we thought, well, maybe we're, we're sort of done. And at that point, it seemed to make sense to be a section of the bar to avail ourselves of the bar resources, the, you know, the, the day-to-day accounting, mm-hmm. keeping track of membership. That, that stuff takes work, and the bar has staff to do that kind of work. So it seemed like that made more sense. I don't think any of us really foresaw the kickback or the pushback that the LGBT community would be receiving, uh, particularly what's going on in the legislature as we speak right now. Uh, I've already gone down to testify uh, on, on some of the bills that are before the legislature now. And um, so I don't know. It's it's a good question to ask because I don't think anybody at that time really foresaw what the LGBT community would be fighting against in terms of legislation that's that's before you know before the, up at the Capitol right now. So, mm-hmm. But at know. least by 2019, yeah. we felt pretty confident mm-hmm. that this could now be incorporated in a nonpartisan, um, non-political bar association. Sure, because again. The question of same-sex marriage and the issue of employment non-discrimination, there was a strong sort of political component to that. But once we obtained same-sex marriage, employment non-discrimination, you know, you had little pieces around the edge like the cake. Does somebody have to bake a cake for a gay wedding? But at the end of the day, that seemed pretty small potatoes compared to some of the larger issues that have been dealt with. But now, all of a sudden, there does seem to be a partisan pushback against LGBT rights. And it it was really started with this pushback against transgender rights. And now it's, you know, it's sort of becoming an attack against, you know, the entire LGBT community. So um, I don't know. Uh, It's unfortunate. Is this just a phase that we're going to come out of? I don't know. I guess time will tell. So you established the LGBT Bar Association for Austin. Uh, and then at some point you ascended to the chair of the state bar section. What are you most proud of during the time that you were chair of the state section? Uh, during the state section, when I was chair of the LGBT law section of the state bar of Texas, one of the things that I really pushed was to create visibility 
of the LGBT section at the larger uh, in, in the larger bar. Uh, we at the annual meetings, there are different socials and events that are hosted. And we very purposefully made the LGBT section event sort of the grandest event, you know, the grandest event at the ball. Uh, we would put flyers in the annual meeting packet inviting everyone to our section events. Uh, we would give scholarships to st law students around the state who were involved in uh, LGBT legal issues. And we would make those scholarship presentations very you know, a big deal. We would have sponsorships from large law firms. We would have judges. Uh, Tanya Parker up in Dallas presented once. Uh, Judge Robert Pittman presented once. We would have prominent individuals at these things. And I think it really created uh, what, what we what I was hoping is that other lawyers from other places in the state, from small towns in the state, would see out LGBT lawyers engaged in their profession in a real positive and affirming way doing important work and that that would be the impression or the understanding that they would take of, oh, this is what the LGBT people are like. And and I think we were very successful in creating that that impression, that really good impression to the bar as a whole, which actually led to the Austin Young Law, I mean, the Texas Young Lawyers Association uh, electing an out gay man as president of the Texas Young Lawyers Association who had been a member of our section. So we went from a section that the state bar originally refused to even have as a section to allowing us to be a section to a section that was sort of down over here in the corner all the way up to a prominent section all the way up to having one of our members elected, you know, to the top tier leadership within the bar. So so I think I think what I'm proud of is that I think I really helped push that progression along. And I think if you are willing to take credit, it seems like under your tenure, there were other cities that also had LGBT sections pop up in their cities as well. We, we helped organize LGBT lawyers down in the Valley. We helped organize LGBT lawyers in San Antonio. And I don't know if we can take credit for it or not, but about that same time, uh, El Paso formed a very active uh, section, LGBT section. And uh, so I, I think... I, and we organized at the annual meetings a conference of the LGBT sections from all over the state to share ideas and talk talk about, you know, ways to organize our different communities in different cities. Um, you've talked about how important it is for other lawyers to know out LGBT lawyers. How important is it for other people to know out LGBT lawyers? I mean, it, it goes back to Harvey Milk in San Francisco back in the day made the famous statement that everybody just needs to be out, that the most important political statement or the most important thing somebody can do to advance the cause of LGBT civil rights is to simply be visible, to be out. And again, knowing that there were so many lawyers in the closet, uh, it was important, I felt, to help create a safe space to help lawyers feel that they could be out and still succeed in their profession. Um, it was real interesting. One of the projects we did was to put on workshops at the law school, at the University of Texas Law School here. And we would do a resume and writing workshop and help talk to the outlaws, which is the LGBT student group, about interviewing. And or people would ask, well, should I out myself on my resume? Should I make it apparent on my resume that I'm an out uh, gay or lesbian or transgender lawyer 
by the activities I'm involved in. And we gave them a lot of encouragement to, of course, you should be out because would you want to be working at a law firm that wouldn't hire you because they knew you were gay? And, of course, you should be out. And I think the students took a lot of comfort in hearing that, and they took a lot of comfort in seeing, you know, lawyers from big law, Gardeer, lawyers from mid-sized firms like my own, lawyers from state agencies who were out lawyers all succeeding in their practice and in their profession, coming to the law school saying, you can be just like we are, doing the same kind of practice at the same kind of level and still own your own identity. And I think a lot of the students took a lot of encouragement from that. And so you've sort of now pivoted away from the LGBT Bar Association, the section now, um, to the LGBT Chamber of Commerce. Mm -hmm. Why is that important? Well, I, I've seen, I think, in a lot of nonprofits or other organizations where a, a particular individual has been taking a strong leadership role and getting that organization going and moving that organization along, at some point the organization can become too identified with that individual. And I didn't want that to happen with the LGBT bar. I felt like I got a lot of benefit from being in leadership in that organization, but I wanted other people to have that same opportunity. And so I felt it was important for me to sort of let go of this sort of the, this baby I had created, to sort of let go of it so other people could have an opportunity to do with it what they felt was important and what they thought it could do to help help the community. And uh, so... So other people, you know, got other people on the board, other people got into leadership position, and once it became a section of the state bar, I sort of felt like, you know, it, it, the organization didn't need me in the way it may once had in the past, but I enjoyed doing this kind of work. And uh, the Austin LGBT Chamber of Commerce uh, has an executive director, Tina Cannon, who's just a firecracker. And it's taken that organization to a whole new level. We have over 500 members now in the business community. And I had spoke to that organization when I was with the LGBT bar, and I was invited to be involved and be on that board. And I liked the work that they were doing. And yeah, I eventually sort of worked my way up in that organization to where I'm currently the board chair of the LGBT chamber. And I got to tell you, here's the biggest difference. When I'm doing the work at the bar and I go to the meetings or the happy hours or the CLEs, everybody's a lawyer and everybody in the room is a lawyer. I go to the LGBT chamber events and frequently I'm the only lawyer in the room. It's full of dentists and accountants and tech professionals. So that's been a real adjustment for me. I think that's been good for me to, you know, be around other <laughs> professionals who aren't just all lawyers. So that, that's I think that's good nice. for all of us. I think it's good for everybody. To be around lawyers all the time. Exactly, exactly. But it, you know, a lot of the issues are the same. For example, um, the state law section of the, the the LGBT law section of the state bar every year as part of its legislative package would seek a repeal of the homosexual conduct statute, which is still on the book, which criminalizes homosexual conduct. And every year we would, on behalf of the state bar, go down and lobby against that piece of legislation. Well, now instead of being down there in front of the committee wearing the hat as a representative of the state bar, I'm down there basically giving the same testimony, but I get to wear the hat of the board chair of the LGBT Chamber of Commerce speaking on behalf of these business organizations. So e even though I'm in a different organization, it's a lot of the same kind of work, mm -hmm. you know. So it seems like there must be something that's next for you. Have you thought about what that is? You've led 
this issue in the legal community. You now are leading it in the business community. What do you think happens next for you? That's a good question. I think some of it is going to depend upon what happens politically. Uh, there are some strong currents, uh, some strong political currents uh, pushing against the notion of LGBT equality. You see it in the don't say gay bills. You see it in the bills to uh, criminalize uh, health care for transgender children. Uh, you see it in the drag show uh, legislation. Um, I, I, again, I wasn't expecting that we would be at this place again. So I think some of it might just depend on where that goes. Again, if that sort of fades away, and then I, I don't know that there'll be work I'll be doing. On the other hand, maybe this work is going to become more important than ever, and uh, and I'll, I'll just see see where it next takes me. One of the things I have been focused on, though, is trying to educate the larger LGBT community. There's a big um, uh, sort of street festival coming up in a few months, uh, and I'm speaking at a workshop, and I'm calling – it's going to be about, you know, LGBT rights and the law – because a lot of these issues we talk about, you know, Obergefell, uh, you know, the Federal Non-Discrimination Act and how these things interplay. And when I talk to just, you know, non-lawyer LGBT people, I might as well be talking about nuclear physics. They they don't know anything about any of this stuff. It's it's And I think there needs to still be a lot of education in our community about LGBT history, uh, the importance of LGBT civil rights and sort of what's going on politically. We need, people need to be educated. Um, and so I, I, I've often thought about what work I could do to help further that educational component. And um, and plus, you know, I, I'm old, so I've lived through a lot of this. And I'm always amazed when I talk to young people that, that to learn the different spaces that they're working from. Uh, I was talking to a young college student about, you know, the Pride Festival. I said, yeah, you know, they're doing the same kind of, you know, the Stonewall and he's like, Stonewall. I said, you know, it's the same time as the Stonewall riots. And he's like, what's that? And I'm like, wow, you know, this, this young person, they have – so unfortunately, so many young gay people have no sense of LGBT history. Um, you know, the AIDS crisis, which is something I lived through. I saw people dying of AIDS. Uh, young people now, you know, you might as well be talking about, you know, lupus. They, it, they're, they're oblivious to some of these things. And so, so – in answering your question, I see myself potentially in the future sort of working in these educational spaces. It seems like this is a topic that is so important to you that you are not going to give it up. So I expect <laughs> to see you trailblazing in some newer, different position pretty soon. Hey, well, that's very kind of you. And there, there are a lot of – and it's not just me. Uh, here in Austin, uh, Fred Sultan uh, was instrumental in a lot of this work. Uh, in Houston, uh, Judge Ken Spain, who now sits on the Court of Appeals, he's sort of the grandfather of all of this. He's the person who originally went to the State Bar of Texas asking if there could be an LGBT law section and was told no, uh, and, but didn't give up and kept going back. Uh, uh, there, there are a lot of other trailblazers. I don't want to act like I'm the only one doing this work. And a lot of what I'm doing is resting on the shoulder of a lot of these other individuals. Uh, so I certainly want to want to give them want to give them their their credit. Of course, but since folks are looking up to you in this space, among others, what advice would you give to folks in the Austin legal community who want to get involved and don't know how? Uh, 
Become a member of the Austin Bar, number one. Every lawyer in Austin should be a member of the Austin Bar. And then within the Austin Bar, there's just a bottomless well of committees and volunteer opportunity. And I would say, what you know, go to the website and whatever strikes your interest, get involved in that. Uh, being involved in the Austin Bar, in its committees and in its activities is an incredible way to network, an incredible way to meet other people, and a, a great space in which to you know, do, do a lot of really important work. Gary, I want to go back to the time between 2013 and 2019 when the Austin LGBT Bar Association was able to do advocacy. What are some of the most important issues that you were able to impact at that time? You know, we, we did a lot in the same-sex marriage space, in the non-discrimination space, and surprisingly in immigration as well, because I could tell you story after story of same-sex couples where one person would immigrate and then they would need to have their partner immigrate. So there was a whole immigration piece as well. Uh, adoption was a huge issue, and a lot of our members actually were straight family lawyers who wanted access to our community and who, who needed the tools to be able to represent our community in, in doing adoption pre-Burgerfell. And then, of course, it was also within the transgender community. Uh, we had some remarkable leaders. Uh, Judge Phyllis Fry out of Houston was very involved with the uh, LGBT section of the State Bar of Texas and was real instrumental and including the T and LGBT, uh, Judge Fry, way back in the day, laid in front of the Pride Parade in New York and wouldn't let the parade begin until the gay and lesbian community included the transgender community as part of the movement. And then uh, was eventually appointed as a judge in Houston and was the first transgender judge in the state. And then here locally and heavily involved with the Austin LGBT bar was Claire Bow who had previously worked uh, at the Attorney General's office, heading up a division over there, uh, transitioned, and Claire then became very involved in helping other transgender people in terms of accessing all the legal work and all the legal needs that they, they needed and we helped put on workshops at law schools around the state. And, uh, and I think we really helped do a lot in that space. And uh, I'm, I'm real proud of that. Uh, and then we've also started doing work with the intersex community, which is something that <laughs> that sort of the intersex community. And these are individuals who are born uh, with both male and female physical characteristics. And a lot of these individuals have surgeries performed on them as children to either turn them into males or to females. And a lot of times they get that wrong. And so the intersex community's political issue is that they should be allowed to be intersex, that these surgeries shouldn't be performed on children without their consent. And uh, so that's the intersex community. And so you've got the, the LGBTQ plus community. Has, there, there are a lot of different issues, but all of those issues relate to people being discriminated against for not being you know, that because they don't conform to some heterosexual norm. And that's sort of what ties all of these disparate groups together is that they're all essentially just seeking the right to live their lives as they would like to live their lives. And, and I think, again, we did a lot of 
groundbreaking work in a lot of those areas here here in Austin. Is there anything else that you would like to say or share? Uh, just not 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 in particular, other than I would just like to say thank you to the Austin Bar. Uh, thank you to so many of the supportive uh, lawyers and organizations within the city that have supported the LGBT law section. I know at the Bench Bar Conference with the bar hosts every year, uh, the LGBT bar was sort of given the keynote one year. And I thought that was instrumental uh, in sort of educating the local judiciary on transgender issues and LGBT issues. And and uh, I've just been very proud of all the people who I've worked with uh, who've really helped make, make all of this work and make all of this go. And I'd just like to say a thank you to everybody. Well, thank you for being with us and sharing your story on a different platform so it can get to some more ears and eyes. Um, and I appreciate you being with us. And thank you for being with us. Uh, we'll see you next time. Thank you. Thank you.